the 4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. In less than three minutes, we'll talk about a Raiders head coach candidate who, when asked to interview, said no. No. No, I don't think so. Football coming up. Elite Eight. we got two games tomorrow, two games on Sunday. Tomorrow, you can hang out with Willie and watch one of the best games of the weekend. That's right. Join me this Saturday, that's tomorrow, at 5 o'clock at Twin Peaks Henderson for the Green Bay-San Francisco playoff game. 49ers and Packers are renewing their playoff rivalry. I'll be down there. Great food, cold beer, and awesome prizes, including a chance to win hockey tickets for the Vegas Golden Knights against the Buffalo Sabres on February 1st. It's going to be VGK's last home game for a little bit. they got a couple of makeup games in between, but you won't want to miss that. Saturday, 5 p.m., join me and ESPN Las Vegas at Twin Peaks on Eastern Avenue in Henderson. So the Raiders really haven't requested many formal interviews. They made a request for Gerard Mayo, the 35-year-old, co-DC with the Patriots, and then they asked a guy on the other end of the H spectrum, Jim Caldwell, who's had success in the league. I think most people look at the Lions situation since he left, and they're like, man, he did a pretty good job. Well, Raiders asked Jim Caldwell for an interview, and Jim Caldwell was like, nope. And he did the same with the Vikings. What do you think is going on here? Uh, I, I, it's, it's hard to say. I don't know if it's a – I mean, it's it's hard to say if it's a um, a, a personality conflict or of some kind other than with Mark Davis, but I mean – there's no GM that you could have a conflict with. I don't know if there's anybody else that he doesn't want to work with. Maybe the team itself. Maybe some of the coordinators. I don't know. Um, you know, it's kind of weird because I just got done saying, what, the other day, that this is a place that I feel like people want to come to. Players, coaches, but obviously Jim Caldwell doesn't for some reason. Uh, maybe he wants to see who the GM's going to be. Maybe he doesn't want to get his hopes up because he already hears that Harbaugh's in I think a lot of people have led to that conclusion. That Jim Caldwell could be filling a quota. And I don't like to say it, but the Rooney rule. And maybe with both the Vikings and the Raiders, he's heard that they have someone else already looking at. So he's like, he's not going to waste my time. Statistic. Yeah, I'm not going to waste my time. Right. I don't know. I hope it's not a, hey, I don't trust Mark Davis. I don't trust Las Vegas. I don't like the Raiders roster. Place is a mess. I hope it's none of that. But well, he, may, he may have heard that they're real close on someone else. It, uh, you know, you'd hate to think that with this particular organization that it would be something along the lines of just to fulfill a quota, given the history of Al Davis with, you know, with um, minorities and, and women in hiring practices and the chances he's uh, given and that organization is given. So you'd hate to think that this team all of a sudden is going to get that reputation and that is the motive um, well, it didn't go over well with Gruden, right? A lot of people, man, they're like, wait, you didn't talk to anyone else? You just you just named Gruden the coach? And then look what came out about Gruden. But that's another whole other story. That's not yeah. on the Raiders. That's on Gruden. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Could, can, couldn't put your finger on it unless we uh, or somebody gets it out of Caldwell. Why? Somebody, maybe when he gets a job and somebody says, hey, you turn these down, Why? And maybe he has his sights set somewhere else. Maybe he, maybe he, is already zeroed in and or feels as if he's dialed in. Who if you were Caldwell, would you want to work with an established quarterback, or would you be cool working with a young quarterback? You know, say he's in on the Bears. Justin Fields more attractive to you, or Derek Carr in place more attractive to you? If if he was interested in the job, if he took the interview, 
If I was to choose either place, I'm going to choose this place, but it's not going to be a, 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 because I don't want to work with Justin Fields. If that's my choice, Chicago Bears and, and Justin Fields, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad decision. But if you're asking me if I want to go to Vegas and work with the Raiders, I'd want to come here because I feel like this program at some point, and I don't mean long term, you know, it's going to turn around. It's going to be headed in the right direction, and it's in the town you want to be in to be involved in pro sports. Does your age have anything to do with it? Not your age, but Caldwell's age. He's 67 years old. He just turned uh, 67 No, about five days ago. No. Really? You'd want to be in it for the long haul with a young quarterback? Wouldn't you want to walk right in and go, hey, I, you know, I want to win the next three years. Let's go. Well, I'm not, I mean, age-wise, I think that if you're still involved to the, to the degree that you're going for a head coaching position, no matter the age, I mean, I, I want to think that you're still, you know, you're, you're still invigorated to the, to so the point that you're 67, you're still thinking I can coach eight, 10 years. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're doing it for the passion and the love of the sport. You're not doing it for a quick fix or to, you know, to go somewhere. I, I feel as if that's, that should be your mindset. You, and you're asking me, me, Willie Ramirez, you're not asking me what I think Jim caught, what he's going through. You're asking me if I'm 67 and I'm still out there hunting down coaching jobs, I'm doing it because I love the game at 67 for the passion of it. You saw that uh, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa signed uh, an extension out to 2027, I think it was. Mm-hmm. He's 67. 66. He's going to be 67 in a couple months. So, so till 72. At least. Yeah. yeah. It is what it is. 70's a new 60. For a lot of people. You wouldn't think Belichick was in his 70's, right? You wouldn't think Nick Saban is Saban 69 or 70. You wouldn't think those guys... I, I mean, listen, you, you want to go back and like our history, we're both, you know, in our 50s. Uh, I remember my grandparents when they when they were when they were in their 70s, they were friggin' old. Yeah. But maybe it was because I was a little kid. But I remember my grandmother at like 72. I was like, she's an old lady. That's not that's not just people age differently now. They do. They do. Who did I, I see it, the other day on TV, Scott Bakula. I'm like, that, yeah, guy, that guy's 67. He's does, still still. Okay, I think wait the show's still on. It was like an NCIS New Orleans. I'm like, he like he doesn't look 67, but he's I, still going. I'm gonna give you a different one. You know who's 67? Denzel Washington. That's crazy. That is crazy. I saw that. I saw that. If you noticed, I threw it on the the rundown topics a couple of times just to throw out there because when he turned six, I think it was 67 a, a, a while, just not too long ago, all of a sudden we started seeing Denzel's top 10, different, different entertainment sites were putting out his top 10 movies. And when yeah, I saw actually, that, I was he's, like, he's a couple months older than Jim Caldwell. Maybe he can coach. He did uh, the Titans. Okay, I'm going to be an ageist on this one. I'm going to be an ageist on this one. Hawaii is going to name June Jones the head coach. This is awesome. June Jones is 68. Boy, oh boy. I don't know, man. I'm kind of excited. I I think, I mean, it's pretty clear, isn't it? The NFL is a year-round job, but it ain't a year-round job like college football. 68 is a freaking, and I just mentioned Kirk Ferentz is in it now, and he's 67 and just signed an extension. But, man, you got to be a special breed when you're saving, when you're one of these guys. Or you better have really good young coaches who are willing to work every freaking day. This stuff never stops. I remember when he was there. Never, I was never, covering you and Every LV. day you can find out some guy, some guy's leaving, or you, you, you got to follow around a 16-year-old you know, playing high school basketball. You got to go show 
It's like, this is nuts in college football what it takes to put together a team and then keep it together. But we're comparing it to, it, it, like in the rundown, right? We're reading this. You're, you're putting out that he's, or whatever, from the notes. He's coming back and after coaching Hawaii from 99 to 2007. But he went from there and sort of resurrected an SMU program till 2014, mm. which was, what, six years ago? And he coached a high school team, coaching the CFL. Um, so he hasn't not been coaching. It's not like he's just coming back since the last time he coached at Hawaii. He's still ha- he's still been in the mix, and he was fun to cover. And that those teams were ex- those Hawaii teams. I'm kind of excited to see if he can turn it back around. I mean, just just to see. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the four o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune up today by calling 577-2600. Takes the snap, looks to the right, forced out of the pocket, on the move now to the right. Raiders in pursuit, steps out of bounds, throws back at the end zone, cut for a touchdown by Boyd. It was very close. Burrow was very, very close to the sideline. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling towards 5 o'clock. We got the Kevin Kruger radio show, UNLV basketball talk uh, again at 5 o'clock. But we got all the games this weekend to break down. We got a lot of Raider stuff to get into. And Stanford Route joins us. Every uh, Friday. I did want to mention one more time just to clarify. Um, in the Mountain West, June Jones hasn't been hired yet by Hawaii, but they're real close. So, Stanford's with us. Hey, Stanford, how are you, buddy? What's going on, fellas? How are we doing? Uh, good. I mean, this one's out of left field. We were just talking about the age of coaches like Kim Caldwell, and we'll get into this turn down the Raiders, um, which kind of surprised me. Maybe there's some reasons there. But uh, we were also talking – College football, Caldwell 67, June Jones is 68. If you were in your late 60s, would you want to coach college football? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you still yeah. could just for the simple fact of giving back, trying to mold young men, and also still trying to win games and be successful within your own right. So uh, very much so. I could see definitely being in my late 60s and still wanting to coach college football. Okay. I just figure it's a lot of work. You got to babysit kids. You got to keep your own roster together. I mean, obviously, you have a big staff to do that. So, um, all right, well, let's talk about what's going on with the Raiders. Uh, I want to get to GM ideas in a couple of minutes, but Jim Caldwell actually turned down the Raiders for an interview. He turned down the Vikings, too. What do you think's going on here? Oh, I think that uh, obviously, what uh, for Jim Caldwell, for somebody who's as accomplished as he is, I think that for him, he is more than he's more than ready to simply sit back sit at the house, rest, rest on his laurels, all of his accomplishments, everything that he's done in his illustrious career. And he will go and he will come out of said retirement for the right situation, for the right job. And obviously it's not the Las Vegas Raiders or the Minnesota Vikings. So I could see once you get to a certain stature, once you get to a certain age, once you get to a certain experience level, you know what you need to be successful in this league, because come on now, Fellas, we can also we, we can definitely agree this league is damn hard. So once you get to a certain level, you are no longer a first time head coach where you're taking a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars simply because it was offered to you. And you're trying to get into that head coaching type of carousel or in that type of stratosphere. So for Jim Caldwell, he is not going to come out of said retirement unless it is for the right situation with the right quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Stanford, I have to throw this out there because we were we discussed this. We threw this 
idea out there in that, you know, much of the talk has been about Jim Harbaugh. So if you have your mind set on somebody that you can throw an attractive offer at and you know that that's the target you want, and with what you just said, an accomplished coach who he'll when he's ready to come out of retirement, he will. <clears throat> Is it possible that maybe they know that Caldwell will fill a specific quota and that was the only reason that they're putting out there? And in his mind, it's like, man, I'm not going to satisfy that for you and because I know I'm not I'm not your number one target. Oh, yeah, that very well could be. I do know that there's some people that turned down the head coaching opportunity for the Houston Texans just last year because of they felt like all you're doing is just wanting me to come in to, like you just said, <laughs> yeah. fill that quota, quote unquote. So that definitely could uh, very well be the case. And then after we see how uh, uh, we had a John Gruden, who was the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, and everything that he was saying on those emails to a Bruce Allen and a number of other people, and also how there's the growing suspicion, there's the growing rumor that Mark Davis knew about John Gruden's beliefs. He knew about John Gruden's ideology uh, mm-hmm. type of ideas. Uh, for the entirety of his time being in uh, in Oakland and then Las Vegas Raider. So one could surmise that, okay, you know what? Maybe they do have a certain type of mindset within that organization. So for them to call my phone and ask me to come in for an interview, maybe it is just to fill a quota, said quote-unquote, uh, a.k.a. Rooney Rule. But I'm not going to go any further into detail on that. Uh, more on the Raiders in a second. I love the chatter around the Texans in your hometown of Houston. A lot of people thought, oh, Nick Casario, clearly it's going to be a Patriots guy. And now we've got a deal where Josh McCown, who's never coached in the NFL, but apparently is a brilliant (laughs) mind, he may be in the running for the Texans head coach gig. Guys. I have told you this before, but I will say it again. And this time I will be a little bit more colorful. I'll be a little bit clearer with my sentiments. Guys, flat out, the Houston Texans, they run that organization the way that someone would a church, the way that you would a congregation. They are more consumed with losing with the right people, a.k.a. good guys, rather than being successful with, a.k.a. bad guys or people that are not their type of people. Well, Stanford, what do you mean when you say their type of people? I will put it to you in the simple terms of, let's say, the city of Los Angeles. Everybody knows about the city of Los Angeles. Not everybody's familiar with everything that has to do with Las Vegas outside of Las Vegas Boulevard, a.k.a. the Strip. So I'll just say for Los Angeles type of terms, They want their kids. They want their players. They want their personnel, everybody. They would much rather you be from Manhattan Beach or Laguna Beach or Rancho Cucamongo rather than, let's say, Inglewood or Watts or South Central L.A. And I think you guys are starting to grasp what I'm saying. I think you're starting to pick up what I'm putting down. And that right there is always going to be the number one um, attribute. That's going to be the number one thing that they look at before they want to sign a player, draft a player, or hire a head coach, hire this position coach, or this, that, and the other. That's always going to be the number one thing that they look at. Not about, okay, are you capable? Are you competent? <laughs> Do you know football? Can you lead men? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I keep trying to tell you guys, that's why you're scratching your head literally probably right now on the headset wondering what the heck it is I'm talking about. That's why you start to see these things coming out of the Houston Texans organization. 
Back to the Raiders. Are the Raiders in any way disrespecting Rich Basaccia and Gus Bradley? I'm, I'm not saying they're dragging it out, but they, those guys are kind of left hanging right now while they talk to other candidates. Oh, yeah, they're pretty much lame ducks. And I think that uh, it, it, to a degree, yes, it is disrespectful, but both of them being around this league as long as they have, they understand this is just a necessary evil. Because, like I said last week, if the Raiders were to go and beat the Bengals and then lose, let's say this week, they'd be playing the Tennessee Titans or what have you. If they were to have a hard-fought loss against the Tennessee Titans in the divisional round, then I think that's enough to show Mark Davis, hey, I'm the guy that can lead this franchise. But because they lost a close-fought game in the wild-card round and the losses that the Raiders have had this year, the inexplicable losses against the Washington football team or the Cincinnati Bengals back in November, that's what gives Mark Davis enough of a reason that, okay, I still have to go ahead, take a few phone calls, go on a few first dates, and at least kind of see what else is out there, kind of test the waters. And the same thing for Gus Bradley because they simply did not do enough to make it unequivocally obvious that they should be leading this franchise going forward. So I see what you're saying for the most part. The Gus Bradley aspect, I've been arguing all season, or basically since Basaccia and and, during the one and five slide, is that a lot of the fault when they were, when and you'd see in the second half when the defense would sort of collapse, it was because the offense couldn't stay on the field long enough and the defense was getting tired. But if you look at the complexion of last year's team, the previous year's team, and then this past year's team, the defense, Gus Bradley's only in his first year, he did his job. He it, That defense was very much improved when you look at the likes of a Casey Hayward, a Max Crosby, a Yannick Ngakwe, and what that team was able to do when it was balanced and all three units were playing to their potential. When the offense was failing and couldn't stay on the field, then the defense was getting wore down, including in that first Bengals meeting. I, I tend to think that Gus Bradley did his job. Mm, let me see how I can digest <laughs> and unpack that. Uh, I would say that it was, it, I would give it probably more like an incomplete when I say, when you ask, did he do his job? And I say that because for him coming from the Legion of Boom, Coming from those Seattle Seahawks, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, all those guys, Bobby Wagner, I did not see the same on the same page type of together cohesion that we saw in Seattle. That's why there's still a part of me that's not sure Gus Bradley has done his job because we all know that Legion of Boom, they were not about to sit up there and confuse you in disguise a whole lot. They would get in that quarters. They would get in cover three. They would get in maybe a little bit of cover two every now and again, but their bread and butter was quarters and it was cover three. That's what he bought over to the Las Vegas Raiders. And I still saw too many times where guys were wide open. It seems like they weren't on the same page and just simply not being able to get off the field. Like, come on now, if they're able to go ahead and do anything, now, to your point, if the offense was able to do something, they are not going overtime against the Los Angeles Chargers. They're up 29 to 14 with about five minutes left to go in the game. So if the defense is doing their job, it ain't even getting the overtime. And then a situation where Brandon Staley, he's calling the timeout and 
Are the Raiders just going to play for the tie? Are they going to go and try to kick the field goal and win the game? You don't have none of that. So that's why I would probably give Gus Bradley an incomplete or an I just because, okay, you're right, it's his first year. So maybe he has to get more time to bring certain players in who understand his scheme. Some people who can better go ahead and actually personify, put it into motion, what he's trying to teach in the meet rooms. But like I said, there's too many times where I feel the defense did not do a good enough job at certain points. We can go back to the game on Saturday afternoon against the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow is a phenomenal quarterback. We all know that. That's why he was number one overall pick out of LSU. But just like he's scrolling, he's, he's, he's rolling to his right, and then all of a sudden, is he stepping out of bounds? Is he not? It's very clear after we see the replay, he didn't step out of bounds. But there's no reason why Tyler Boyd should have been that wide open in the middle of the end zone on the back line. There's just, there's just no explanation for that. So because of times like that or the amount of yards they gave up to the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, weren't able to get off the field in certain situations, that right there is why I'm not certain that I can just go ahead and say that Gus Bradley did a satisfactory job in his first year as the D.C. Stanford, in your words, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> I love you guys. Stanford out, the former Raider. Um, there are a lot of people out there, including uh, noted football expert Master Marco Polo on Twitter, um, who is concerned, saying that uh, MD is going to screw this up. Harbaugh should have already been signed by the Raiders. What do you think is happening here? Is Harbaugh really in the mix? I mean, the guy has been... Oh, well, his last game was on New Year's Eve. The Raiders, I think, knew they wanted a coach. Why is this taking so long if it is Harbaugh? I have no earthly idea. Uh, I, I've been wondering the same thing. If you okay. want to go get Jim Harbaugh, go and get him. Call him on the phone and say, hey, Jim, here's a blank check. Name your price. The same thing that you did with John Gruden for crying out loud. So uh, it maybe it's because Mark Davis is actually, like I said, going on first dates, seeing what else is out there, testing the waters, just to go ahead and see if there's a better candidate uh, to go ahead and run this franchise. I mean, I'm looking at like Jim Harbaugh has been a winner everywhere he's gone from San Diego to to Stanford, then to San Francisco, and then now for Michigan. So clearly we know that the man can coach an NFL team. He can coach a college team. He can probably coach high school for crying out loud. But I think that uh, it's probably just Mark Davis doing his due diligence. At least that's what I would like to believe. Or maybe him and Jim Harbaugh have had some conversations and they stalled or for whatever reason. Maybe it's on Jim Harbaugh feels like he wants a certain level of control within the roster, within the personnel, things like that. Maybe Mark Davis doesn't want to give it to him. Maybe Jim, maybe Jim Harbaugh wants uh, more money than Mark Davis is willing to pay him. I don't know what the holdup is. Also, I will say this. Because you just fired your GM just a couple of days ago, now you have to get a new GM in place as well because that new GM, whoever it may be, he's going to want to bring bring in his own head coach, his own D coordinator, OC, and go ahead and let it trickle all the way down. So there's a lot of moving parts to this thing because you got an interim head coach, you had a GM who came in with the coach who stepped down just a couple months ago. So that right there, I think, is why you have yet to see anything just go ahead and be put in in stone uh so to speak thus far because remember guys their season just ended six days ago so let's also go ahead and give them a little bit of uh patience stanford let me ask you this from a player's perspective do you want a coach who is coming in and doing his job and a gm who is coming in and doing his each with its own power in their own right or do you even pay attention as a player as to what the situation was like with or was with Gruden and does that affect the locker room 
Oh, it will. Uh, there's times where you've been. I, there's times I've been on teams where I could clearly see the head coach and the general manager were not on the same page. It was like a bit of a power struggle uh, to some degree. So, yes, as a player, you can definitely see that. You can feel the tension. And even with the GM and the owner or the head coach and the owner, trust me, I've been around it all. So uh, that right there just in itself. Uh, yes, that can be frustrating as a player to have to deal with because you'll see it on a daily basis. So, yes, as a player, I want the GM to come in. He can go ahead and handle all the drafting duties. He can go ahead and hire and fire the coaches. He can sign and, you know, resign and trade and this and the other. He has control of the personnel. And then the head coach simply chooses, okay, these are going to be my starters. These are going to be my backups, things like that. Uh, he's going to be, the, you know, the play caller, whether it's offensive or defensive, I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, you definitely want to have a certain level of structure within the organization, within the higher-ups. Now, however they want to divvy up, however they want to divide that structure, that's perfectly fine. That's above our pay grade as a player. But you definitely want to see everybody being on the same page. We got about a minute left. Who's going to be in the AFC Championship game? Titans going to make it? Chiefs? Bills? What do you think? Guys, this is really, a, 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 in my opinion, a pick em weekend. I can very easily see the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Tennessee Titans tomorrow. I would not be surprised if they did. But because Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, this is their first go-round, I would probably go ahead and just defer to the Tennessee Titans because Derrick Henry's coming back. Mike Brable is obviously a veteran head coach in this league. And having Ryan Tannehill, who's already been to the playoffs the last couple of years, so I would go ahead and say the Tennessee Titans. The Kansas City Chiefs and the uh, Buffalo Bills, that's another pick em game. I can very easily see Josh Allen out doing Pat Mahomes uh, on Sunday evening. But because Pat Mahomes has been in the past two Super Bowls, the last three AFC title games, I'm going to go ahead and defer with him just simply because he's been there. He's done that. He's already proven. So I would say the Chiefs and the Titans in the AFC title game for the second time in the last three years. Stanford, great spot, man. Thank you. We'll talk to you. You guys be good. Talk to you next week. There he is, the former Raider, Stanford route. Kevin Kruger radio show is coming up at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Casino. Great menu at this place. By the way, the show starts at 5 o'clock. Early start today. Uh, great appetizers like the uh, Japanese fish taco. They've got the prime rib, dry-aged, buttery mashed potatoes. You get a margarita pizza if you want with uh, buffalo mozzarella and uh, Roma tomatoes. And also Friday's fish fry. I knew I was going to screw it up. Fish fry Friday. Fish fry Friday. Fri ah! All right, Kevin Kruger Radio Show is coming up. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. The reason why the 49ers are so good in the red zone is because they can run the ball. This is going to play a major factor in this game. They have to put the ball in Jimmy G's hand. That, to me, is the key to this game. Make Jimmy G beat you. If you don't slow down this run game, I just don't think they'll win. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Von Colbert's coming up from v in just a couple minutes. All right, where are we going in the NFC? You hear uh, Damian Woody there talking about the run game, the Niners, the chances against the Packers. Where are we going? <sighs> it's it's that sounded excruciating. It, it My is Lord. because making football picks is tough. It is in this situation because it's it's hard to go against what the 49ers are doing. And I just think more than anything, the weather could be a factor. And I know how powerful that team can be, but 
you're talking about Aaron Rodgers back in a, in a situation that you know I it's it's very hard. I I think the 49ers can can cover the number. I just don't know if they can win. But I like the Buccaneers in this spot simply because they're back again. It's Tom Brady. I get it. The Rams defense has improved. And here's the problem with this is on our preseason predictions. The day that we, you, me, and Adam were in here talking, uh, my Super Bowl prediction was the Rams and the Chiefs. So you know what? I have to pick the Rams because you don't I don't have to do anything. Things change. No, things don't change. You have to stick with who you go with. So there you go. So you're taking the Rams plus three. I'm taking the Rams money line because that's what I chose on this you show. Should probably take a plus three as well. Max out your value. Not, not that I'm so pro, some pro better or something, but you know, I mean, you do what you want with your money. I, actually, I don't think you're going to bet, so it doesn't matter. This is kind no, of I'm point. going you're off making of, picks. Yes, no, I. It's it's here's the thing. It's hard to go against two guys named Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers on their home field, especially one guy that is looking to get revenge, and one guy who's looking to win yet another Super Bowl after he pulled off the improbable last year. But, like I said. And I think Adam had the Packers and the Chiefs, so I really got to cheer for the Rams and the and the Chiefs to get back there just so I can have bragging rights on the show. Who'd you pick in the preseason? I had the Packers and the Chiefs. Um, I don't want that to happen, but most of the time I make my picks with a jinx in mind. It's mm. actually... So reverse type of... Right, I don't want to be right. Gotcha. Now, my opinion has changed with the Packers over time. I keep going back and forth on this. I think there's a better chance that Rodgers will leave Green Bay if he wins one final Super Bowl, but I don't want the Packers fans getting one final chance to enjoy Rodgers at the peak of the game. So it'd be awesome if they lost now. So you mad at the and Packers then he leaves. Or the fans? I don't love. Well, I don't love the organization, and I especially don't like the fans. I think they're very spoiled, huh. and I can't wait for the Steelers and the Packers fans to see what it's like. You know, in the Steelers' case, they had like 18 years of Big Ben. In the Packers case, they've had, you know, Packers fans case, they've had 30 plus years of Favre and Rodgers. That's ridiculous. They haven't, unless they're older, they don't remember the days of, you know, Don Mikowski, who was okay, and Lynn Dickey so, and crap like that <laughs> at quarterback. Dickey. Yes. So you can't wait for Aaron Rodgers to become a Las Vegas Raider. I can't wait for Aaron Rodgers to go anywhere but Green Bay. Because I've seen so many Packers fans rip him. Okay, be careful what you wish for. How much of a knife in the back would it be just to happen all over again and then Rodgers goes to the Vikings? That would be wonderful. Wonderful. Another repeat of Favre and the difference. Well, yeah. actually, I was going to say the difference is Rodgers still has a lot of football left. Favre, in one of his seasons with the Vikings, was unbelievable. Now right. it ended with an interception fest. Right. But he was great. I think he had like 42 touchdown passes. Yeah, he went nuts. It was, it was crazy. All right, so my, my picks on this, um, I'm going very chalky. I'm going to hesitate right now on Tennessee. I want three against Cincinnati. You didn't ask me my AFC picks. I think. But that's okay. I already bet Kansas City, but I would love to see the Bills win. But I already bet Kansas City minus two. NFC, I will lay the points with Green Bay. I think Green Bay is going to walk away, run away from San Francisco. I think the bad Jimmy G, he's not healthy either. And uh, anytime we start getting in this mode where we start genuflecting at the feet, of little Shanny, it starts making me nervous. He's good, not great, um, and I'm probably not going to play the Rams and the Bucks. But I think 
The Rams have a good shot. I don't like the Buccaneers injuries. It's getting ridiculous now. Cluster injuries at receiver and on the line and a running back. We'll get your AFC picks on the other side. John Von Tobel, Vsin's coming up. He'll give us his leans and likes. And we'll also give you a little lesson on value. Be very, very careful when you're playing some of these crazy props because there are sports uh, sports books out there that are taking advantage of you and and offering numbers that are just absurd. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I think they need to do what they have done now, let's just say over the past four or five weeks. Be content in playing the long game on offense. Don't try to get the, the big play over the top. And Patrick, don't turn the ball over like he did in the first game against Buffalo, which is ultimately what cost them. If they do that on the offensive side, they'll move the football methodically. They'll get their points. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. You know, that's a guy I haven't heard at all this uh, GM cycle, Lewis Riddick. Is he being interviewed this year, or did he pretty much torpedo any chances last year? Wasn't there one in particular, and it might have been before the season was over, wasn't his name brought up, and I can't think of where or who or he was brought well, up. I got multiple some... interviews last year, and I, I haven't heard of any this year, Our but maybe I've been out of the loop. Uh, John Von Tobel is with us. V-Sin, let's get into the gambling side of football. John, how you doing, buddy? Good, guys. Getting excited. Best round of the playoffs, right? Divisional round? Sure. Wow. Tepid response. JVT, hmm. what, what was it? What, was it? <laughs> you would know. You would, you would know. Wasn't Riddick's name brought up? Lewis Riddick brought up. Why are we quizzing John off the cuff? Come on. Oh no, I, I just I don't know. I, I know exactly. I, I just, he doesn't know. Oh, I, I this didn't is like know. this is like Kokanesk. No, let's not he, set him up for failure. Was, no, I'm not doing that. I, I, think, I just I just know that I. Uh, okay, whatever. Yeah, I I think what you guys are thinking of is he was in the press commenting on how good he believed the Bears GM job was. Maybe that's uh, what about it was a week then. ago. See, so I don't know. Maybe if he, he had an answer for, for me. Yeah. There you go. Don't get snarky with me. Steve. Yes, last year he interviewed with the Texans <laughs> and the Lions, and I'm sure uh, with the Texans knew that there was there was no shot there. So, um, all right, let's get into first of all the the Chiefs and what Riddick was saying there, and how the Chiefs have become a little more responsible by not throwing the ball all over the field. Where does that put the Chiefs for you against this Bills offense? When Buffalo is going right, my God, it goes right because they don't punt and they freaking score. Yeah, like they're immaculate, right? Like they had the perfect game against the Patriots. But I, I think Patrick Mahomes has shown that patience that he's you know, that Riddick was talking about. Uh, you know, I was going through some of the numbers for the show this week, and one of the things that the Bills did in the first matchup, which was pretty unique, was they didn't blitz Patrick Mahomes a single time, not once. If you go look at the numbers, he was never blitzed on a single drop back. And that really bothered Mahomes. And that bothered Mahomes at the beginning of the season. If you look at his numbers when he hasn't been blitzed through the first 13 weeks of the season, he completed only 64% of his passes, averaged under seven yards per attempt, committed a turnover-worthy play on 3.1% of his dropbacks, and his average depth of target was 8.1 yards downfield. But if you look at his numbers weeks 14 through the wild card, He's gotten a lot better. 69.9% completion. Yards per pass goes up a full yard at 7.9. But his average depth of target actually drops by a yard. So I think to me that tells me he's getting a little bit more patient. He's taking what's in front of him. He's not taking those shots downfield. His touchdown interception ratio would not blitz the last few weeks of the season through the wild card 12 to 1. And, of course, uh, the turnover-worthy play rate drops. So I think Mahomes has gotten a little bit better. He's gotten better against the issues that have plagued him at the beginning of the season. And, I, and keep in mind, too, the other thing I think that factors into this, which is not being talked a lot, Tredavious White played in that first game mm-hmm. for the Buffalo Bills. He yeah. is not available, obviously, because he got hurt on that Saints game. So 
I think the, the, the Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs are in a spot to bounce back here offensively at least. You and another guy who goes unmentioned on the show uh, have been pumping the brakes on Josh Allen, pointing out accurately that he's amazingly inconsistent. Well, he's on a roll right now. Do you trust him in this spot? You know, so for me, for this game at least, I'm not sure if it's trust Josh Allen or if I just don't trust this Chiefs defense still, right, to contain him to a point where like he doesn't have to be perfect, right? He can just make those big plays downfield because they'll be there. They'll be wide open. They'll be able to use his legs and his athleticism. Yeah, but like if you look at his performances throughout the season, he's I've been using the V word. I've been using volatile, right? Like he'll give you the highest highs, but his lows cost you games against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So like it just depends on what team shows up defensively, I think, for Kansas City, because I don't think the issues are fixed for Kansas City. Go back, what, three weeks ago and Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals tore them apart. Right. They kept blitzing Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow kept telling him, all right, cool. And he kept gouging them for play after play after play. And I think that's what kind of worries me. It, for this matchup, I'm not sure that it's about Josh Allen. It's just, is this Chiefs defense really fixed? Like, we know that Ingram's been there. We know statistically the turnaround has happened since Ingram has been there. But we saw that little hint of it against the Cincinnati Bengals. If they're going to be blitzing and they're going to be allowing Josh Allen, who loves to throw against the blitz as well, to kind of pick them apart in that regard, I think it's going to be another long day for that Chiefs defense. I love that the Titans have Derrick Henry back. But there's no effect on the point spread. Have we gone a, a little too far on uh, the words not denigrating, but minimizing what running backs do? Derrick Henry, of all guys, has no effect on the point spread? No, none whatsoever. Come on. I, I, Come well, here's on. the thing, though, too. I, I would love to see a situation with a guy like Derrick Henry, right? Because he's been out for whatever, how long, right? We haven't seen him for a really long time. That guy's not going to be worth anything because you just don't know how healthy he is. Like, sure, he got cleared and sure, he's going to start. But like, what's the workload going to be like? Is he going to be effective? Is his first action in forever? But I, if we're talking about Derrick Henry, who just had to take a week off for some reason and then comes back after that, you know, I think he'd probably be worth something in terms of not playing in a game just because of a single absence, right? But in a game like this, where it's a playoff game and we haven't seen you since the middle of the season and your team has been running the ball effectively without you, I, yeah, we haven't seen that he is worth anything to the point spread for the Titans. It, the, the market was just looking at this overall and, betting against the Cincinnati Bengals and those defensive line injuries that they were suffering. And we know that Joby's not going to be available, even though Hendrickson is. But this number opened up two and a half and moved immediately to three and three and a half before the news of Derrick Henry. Hmm. Mike Vrabel, 8-0 straight up and against the spread as a head coach with eight-plus days between games. Consider that a buy. It is. 4-0 straight up, 4-0 ATS. Okay. Um, interesting numbers. Do we care about the cold weather numbers in football? Because no. – uh, Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is going to have a, a much deeper resume playing in cold weather while Jimmy G has nothing. Uh, can you sell me on Lil Shanny and the Niners' chances, a beat-up Niners team, the Niners' chances to stay in this game and cover five and a half? Uh, well, I hope they don't because I bet Green Bay I laid five at the beginning of the week. Okay. But I will say um, I don't like Jimmy G's chances. Being from Illinois, I don't know if he's like used to cold weather in any way whatsoever. So he's probably screwed in that regard. Um, no, look – if you're making the case for the San Francisco 49ers, it starts with the run game, right? Like, there's a reason why the two times that they have met up with San Francisco, San Francisco has been a pain in their keister. It's why they beat the crap out of them in that NFC Championship game when they met, what was that now, two years ago? You know, those problems for the Green Bay Packers 
haven't really been fixed. This is the bottom half of the league defensively in terms of DVOA. Uh, they're in the mid-20s in terms of what they've done defensively against the run, the Green Bay Packers as well. Uh, and then it's by one metric, again, DVOA, but even traditional metrics in terms of like yards per carry, all of those things. It's the bottom half of the league run defense in the Green Bay Packers. And so with the San Francisco 49ers, I think that's immediately where you start your argument, right? Which is Green Bay is not going to be able to stop this running game. And I think that's how they stay within a number like this. Now, I will say, I think there's this misconception where it's like, hey, you know, the 49ers come out and they control the clock and everything, you know, they keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. I don't think that's the case. I think San Francisco has got a lot of explosivity with their offense. Like, you don't have to burn the clock. We can score with Green Bay even through our running attack and being explosive with those plays downfield. So I I don't know if it's keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field so much as using our passing attack through our running game and setting it up through there to get some explosive plays downfield against what I think and what statistically has been a below-average defense for Green Bay. Hey, Willie, let me throw in one thing real quick. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Aaron Rodgers... 32 degrees or colder, 31-11-1 ATS. This is in the NFL. This is in the NFL. Jimmy G in the NFL, uh, 32 degrees or colder is 0-0 ATS. How about that? <laughs> How about that? How about that? But he did it spend time in the end. I don't care where, what he was doing at wherever he where, where was he? Eastern Illinois? What school East, was well, it? He, he went to Eastern Illinois and he's from Illinois. It's very balmy. Yeah. It's very balmy in the east part of Illinois. Very balmy. Wait a minute, JVT, what is this? The GOAT that everybody called? The man they called the GOAT is what? 0-2 straight up and against the spread against the Rams? It's a Buccaneer? Yeah, it's a Buccaneer. He lost to Jared Goff, and then he lost to Stafford at the beginning of the year. Big sample. Big sample size. It's huge. Um, But but I will say, what I find really interesting is the the two matchups played out like eerily similar. If you look at the, if you go back, you look at the box scores, and you see what exactly played out, right? He he averaged over 50 pass attempts, right? He had 49 in the first game against them when he played them on Monday night. It was Jared Goff last year. And then earlier this year, he threw it 51 times or 53 times. Right, they had they haven't been able to run the ball against the Rams in the two matchups that they faced them at all. Uh, through the two, they only put up uh, I think it was forty seven at most yards in terms of on the ground against this front seven. Like, and that's that's what stuck out to me. It's not so much the zero and two thing. It's that if you look at the two matchups in which they have played the Rams, they played out in a strikingly similar fashion. And then you look at the other things, right? Then you look at the offensive line injuries with Wirfs, their starting center, and potentially a backup offensive lineman. You look at the fact that two wide receivers, as we know, are not going to be available here, right? And the running back situation, like these injuries are starting to add up for Tampa Bay. And I'll just look at the way they won a championship a season ago, right? They beat up on a Kansas City Chiefs team that had cluster injuries along their offensive line. And the Rams have a really good interior pass rusher in Aaron Donald. They added along the edges as well. Like this is one where I, I'm just curious if if Tom Brady can, as great as he is, overcome some of the absences in terms of personnel on his side. And on the flip side, you know, the Rams, what they like to do, you know, they don't run up the middle to the strength of the defense, right? They'll run on the edges. If you look at it in terms of frequency of runs, uh, they're a team that runs outside. They don't run toward Vita Vea. So that's not going to be that big of a problem. And it sets up those play action pass attempts. So I just kind of think, given the two matchups, how eerily similarly they played out and how Tom Brady's had some trouble offensively against this defense. And on the flip side, the way that the Rams run their D, their offense, I, I think it kind of matches up well with Brady and the Bucs. I, I took three earlier this week. All right, let's switch gears for a minute. Your NBA betting market report is a must-read every single day. But the MVP race, blowing up the past week, um, and the odds did as well. 
Yeah, well, so this it coincides with two events, right? It coincides with Kevin Durant getting injured because, you know, he's going to miss about four to six weeks, and he was an MVP contender, so he gets knocked down the board. But for about a month and a half now, and it's coming up on two months it, once we get to the 29th, Steph Curry has not been playing well. Steph Curry is the favorite to win the award at this point. Some spots have him as low as plus 180, but he's shooting under 40% from the floor. He's shooting 35% from three. Both would be, you know, career lows, obviously, for a guy like him. Um, and if you look around at, at the way this race is shaking out, some of these guys are performing extremely well. We had Joel Embiid the other night drop 50 points against the Orlando Magic that culminates a 21-game stretch in which he's averaging 31 and 10 and, 10 and, and dragging the Philadelphia 76ers to a playoff spot. You have Nikola Jokic, uh, was it the same night even, uh, he drops a 47-49 point triple-double and they win in overtime over the Los Angeles Clippers. You have Giannis continuing to, to do what he does statistically on a night-to-night basis. And then you get the guys on the outside, on the fringes, John Morant and DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan the other day having eight assists and scoring 30 points in a game in which he was essentially by himself against Cleveland. Like, the race is just incredible, Willie. Like, if you look at these guys and these contenders, and I, by the way, the, all the guys I mentioned, those are five of the top seven options to win on the odds board MVP. The other two are Curry and, and Durant. It just it seems like at the end of the day, any one of five guys could win this award and they all have a legitimate case at it. And Embiid is the biggest riser. Two weeks ago, he was 50 to one to win the award. After he drops 50 on Orlando, he is now six to one at some spots to win the award. John, you are the man. I hope you win in football this weekend. Thanks. Uh, you too. Unless you're going against me, then I don't. That's a good point. JBT, <laughs> VSIN. You can hear him on the edge every day, one to two. And then he does the uh, the Sunday opening line shows. Well, and his. Willie said his NBA report is must-read stuff. Again, Von Tobel from VEASAN. One quick mention of, you know, the boost that you're seeing around the country and prop bets. Be really careful. I saw uh, one Ross Tucker, former NFL lineman, and he did. You could kind of tell he tiptoed on this one. Um, there is a book offering 8-1 to one on a thick six on a big boy touchdown. That's very low. And they're boosting it to 10 to 1. The Ooh. boost the boost is very low. These are not normal happenings in the National Football League where an offensive lineman, and that's a thick six, where an offensive lineman gets a touchdown. Come on. So be careful. Just because you just saw it happen doesn't mean it's going to happen every single week that there's trickeration in this Elite Eight. Just now watch. Suck you we'll, in. we'll come on come in on Monday and there'll be like three more. Three, of, them, right? of course. Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. So watch the booster. All right, here's what we got going this weekend. Tomorrow morning, running Rebel basketball, 1130 with running Rebel warm-up. Noon tip as San Jose State is at the Thomas and Mac. Willie is at Twin Peaks at 5 o'clock. Come see me. 5 o'clock Twin Peaks, Henderson for the Green Bay-San Francisco playoff game. 49ers and Packers renew their playoff rivalry. Great food, cold beer, awesome prizes, including a chance to win hockey tickets for the Golden Knights and Sabres on February 1st. 5 o'clock Twin Peaks in Henderson. Uh, Sunday, Westgate, Adam Candy, Adam Hill, 10 o'clock start for the Sunday football preview show. Football Central opens up at 11 a.m. Yeah, I do want to say... This week, we uh, dedicate the show to Bill in Green Valley, one of our P1s. He actually passed away. Really bad news. That's going all the way back to, like, 2004. So our thoughts out to his wife, Bonnie.